The following program is sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Wealth Enhancement Group or its guests and do not reflect the opinions of News Talk 830 and Odyssey Inc. Advisory services offered through Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Certain but not all investment advisor representatives at Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are also registered representatives of and offer securities through LPL Financial Member FINRA, SIPC. Wealth Enhancement Group and Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are separate entities from LPL. Wealth Enhancement Group is a registered trademark of Wealth Enhancement Group, LLC. Sound strategies to make sense of your financial life. Answers to everyday questions pertaining to your money. Brought to you by Wealth Enhancement Group. Helping you to plan and invest with confidence and clarity. After all, it's your money. Hello, I'm Adam Carter. Welcome to Your Money. If you have a financial question for Peg Webb, you can call this number 24-7-888-6-ADVICE. That's 888-6-ADVICE. And you can certainly email your question to yourmoney at wealthenhancement.com. During the show, you can call or text the studio line. That number is 651-461-9226. Now, here's Senior Vice President Financial Advisor Peg Webb, along with Senior Vice President Financial Advisor Nicole Webb. Peg and Nicole, good hello. And uh, what are we talking about today? Good morning, Adam. Bruce is taking a well-deserved day off, so I hope you're out there enjoying, Bruce. Hey, I want to take a minute to introduce Nicole Webb. She's actually a a special frequent guest on our show. She's a Senior Vice President of Wealth Enhancement Group, Certified Financial Planner, 16 years in the business, uh, financial services industry. Nicole's passion actually lies in integrating uh, into your uh, tax planning and investment strategies within our roundtable. Nicole went off to Manhattan to help build out the East Coast Division of Wealth Enhancement Group four years ago, but now she's back in Minnesota, which I'm thrilled about. Welcome, Nicole. Hi, good morning, Peg. I um, wanted to to talk today about, um, as we have had such a crazy year or two for everybody, Uh, People are juggling work, they're juggling relationships, they might be doing child care or elder care, just trying to carve out some time for themselves to stay mentally and physically healthy. So our job was even more important as financial advisors uh, in the last couple of years to make sure that people did not take their eyes off their financial picture. So our clients said, hey, if they were left alone, they probably would have made some senseless mistakes when it comes to their money. If um, And I, we always remind them, please call us. If you're making a money decision, don't do it alone. So today I thought for listeners, we would talk about these some of these senseless mistakes that you and I have uh, witnessed firsthand, maybe not necessarily with our clients, but with people who come to see us for the very first time, we go, oh, that was kind of senseless, and we don't make them feel bad, but I thought today we should go over some of the uh, top ones that we have seen. How, are you up for that? <laughs> I'm absolutely up for that, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> the, the first one is uh, sometimes people confuse luck with skill. Yeah, you know, as I was listening to you, Peg, I was just thinking about what an interesting 18 months it's been in everybody's lives. Um, And, you know, I think even for myself, um, as someone who really thrives 
uh, with a schedule and not just a schedule, but a very busy schedule. I'm one of those people that schedules in Outlook when I'm going to eat lunch every day. Um, COVID really, really took that away from me because the extent of my life uh, was in my 500 square foot Manhattan apartment. And so you lose some of that. And what I also lost with that, and I think many people did, um, was that you didn't carve out the same amount of time to take care of, you know, your own finances. And what a wild ride it's been over the last 18 months. So as you talk about confusing luck with skill, uh, the market did something very curious for all of us. It, it took this deep nosedive in the late spring, early summer of 2020, and then it has done nothing but go up since. And and that alone can be very confusing if you're not paying attention to the macroeconomic landscape that, that we're operating in, not just in the United States, but worldwide. And so not to go back to what happened, uh, you know, it, through 2020 and how we got here, but when it comes to confusing luck with skill, you know, this has been a market environment where um, you really have won by doing very little. If you did nothing during COVID, if you just allowed yourself to stay invested even through that deep sell-off, you kept dollar cost averaging in, whether that was only through your employer plan or your 401k, um, or if you were smart enough to just add additional money at some point, really any point in the last 18 months, everything seems to have worked out very well for you. And that's really the case for everybody, which is why when you see these little dips in the market, which we saw in early October, it was like they self-corrected themselves the very next morning. And, you know, one of the things that makes us uncomfortable, and certainly our investment department, is that when a passive market prevails like this one, people don't stop to think about what action is necessary to keep themselves in a position where they don't ride the wave 100% when the next shoe drops. And I'm not really one for doomsday, but I am one for saying, you know, control what you have absolute control over. And as we head into this year end and we're having conversations about valuations, earnings, inflation, supply chain, labor issues, and on top of all of that, we're looking at tax reform going into next year, this is one of those moments in time where you can take your passive uh, wins, I hate saying it's luck, but these passive wins over the last 18 months, and say, what is the smart, actionable decision that I could execute for myself? And I think that is this transition from luck to stewardship, and it's about stewardship of achieved wealth at any transitionary point. So a lot of things that you mentioned just now, I want to throw out um, a couple more senseless mistakes that we've kind of seen, mm-hmm. one being actually trying to time this market. So as much as you said, put yourself in a position to be able to invest, can you comment on that where we've seen it actually be a senseless mistake? Yeah. You know, Peg, actually, I had the pleasure of being in a client meeting with you this last week, and we had this exact conversation with one of your clients. Um, me really there representing the, the investment uh, 
program, you know, at Wealth Enhancement Group. And your client gave you a little pushback when you said, you know, let's talk about year-end tax planning. Let's talk about um, perhaps taking some of our chips off of the table, some of these excessive gains, because our portfolios are up dramatically year-to-date. And, you know, she said to you, just for her own education, you know, just trying to get her arms around, and it was very simple. She said, do I have to? And this, the second mistake you bring up, this trying to time the market, you know, her curiosity was, well, what if we're timing it wrong? The conversation should never be about timing. One of the things that the director of our investment department, Chris Harstick, he's so brilliant, and he taught me years ago that the worst mistake you can make is trying to sell stock to buy cheap stock. It never works. In a down market, business risk, right, the risk that a company is going to do well or or not do well, what their earnings are going to look like in recessionary contractions, all businesses tend to ride that wave together. And so it's very difficult to sell any stock to buy that cheap stock. And right now, while a lot of people may be well diversified and feel like their overall allocation has some free cash or some fixed income, What they're not thinking about is those aren't the right dollars to buy cheap stock with. And so, again, you know, trying to time the market is one thing, and one should never do it because that tends to be a very binary decision. I'm all in or I'm all out. What we talk a lot about right now is, uh, and, and the word you use, Peg, is rebalancing. How much excess gain have you experienced over the last 18 months? And it's probably quite excessive versus what you'd modeled out for your own future. And how then do you do some thoughtful planning with that tax overlay to think about being in the right position to tactically rebalance? Rebalancing right now, meaning taking some of those dollars off the table so that you can rebalance again the next time that the equity market's down. So, you know, trying to time the market tends to be this pendulum of binary thought processes. It tends to also be fueled by fear and greed. And what I'm going to say to any listener today is instead think about it as stewardship of achieved wealth. Where do I belong and how do I thoughtfully get to that place? And that's really what we, we work through is don't make the mistake, but instead take, take thoughtful action. And you, Nicole, just led me into uh, why we decided to be comprehensive planners, because a couple senseless mistakes we have seen, and I'm going to put two of these together, is the people who come into us don't even have a financial goal. So they're kind of just winging it, and they don't have a financial plan. Like, they don't have a vision of the future. So one of the things that I personally do is um, I ask people, is because I'm a visionary, and by the way, I tend to see everything in color in my head. So I create movies and pictures in my head. <laughs> and so I'm kind of thinking that everybody should do that, right? You kind of have this this method of, well, this is where I'm headed. This is what I need to do, you know, taskmaster type. And you said, too, you have to have, you know, lunch on your calendar. I'm not sure where you got that from, but that's exactly how <laughs> I am. And if listeners don't know, uh, you're, you're, you're dealing today with a mother-daughter relationship in the same business. Uh, and so when we talk like that, like you're like me, 
That's why. So here's the senseless uh, mistake is lack of financial goals and, quite frankly, lack of a financial plan. Yeah. You know, this one is always challenging. There's really, um, there's, there's a couple of phases in anyone's financial life, and it's the accumulation phase, the I need to generate income while still maintaining my nest egg phase, and then there's the thoughtful legacy phase, and, and every human goes through those three stages of life inevitably, and each one of them deserves a separate financial plan, and one of the, the pushbacks that we get often is I just don't know exactly I mean, I'm happy in the house I'm in, but maybe I want another one. You know, and I, the thing that I would say again to all listeners is you don't have to have it all sorted out, but you need to be thoughtful about, and we use this word at Wealth Enhancement Group all the time, which is unifying a strategy. And you can, you can reserve your right to change your mind at any time because it is your money. But, at the end of the day, every year deserves its own independent roadmap. And if you can create visions for 10 years out, even better. But what we find is if you don't have a goal, we can't back into the strategy. And then during the accumulation phase, though, and we say this often, is it's a little bit easier because as long as you're saving money, as long as you're dollar cost averaging in, into this market, what we know is that will work over time. You will accumulate wealth. But could you be doing even better in terms of how you leverage those assets on an ongoing basis, whether it be something as simple as do I take out the 0% financing for 60 months on home decor or do I just pay cash for it? The same goes for cars, homes, vacations, saving for children's college expenses in the future. So we can do so much better if you help us understand what all those conflicting priorities are because what we're really good at, and I would say any industry professional who is a CFP is so talented at helping you prioritize conflicting priorities. Because on one hand, you might dream of helping your kids pay for college. On the other hand, though, you really dream of taking them on family vacations while they're young. And on the other hand, you really want to get them into a better school district and those homes are more expensive. Those are three conflicting priorities because the thing that you can't control is how much income is coming into the household each week. Very well said. Hey, Adam, we have a couple minutes here before we have to go on break, and I thought maybe we could get listeners involved. Absolutely. And again, that line, 651-461-9226. We do have a text question uh, that came in about uh, 62 years old. I've aged and uh, I've, uh, I've got um, received 95000 from an estate, $250,000 in a rollover IRA, $265 car payment at 4%, $1,100 mortgage at 2.9%, $1,200 a month in uh, spousal maintenance. Where should that money go? I have 70000 in income. Wow, that's um, that, that's their entire life right there. <laughs> Very <That's> specific. A, <laughs> yeah. yes. Thank you, Adam. Thank you. That's a live case study right there. This is a live case study. So when we get together on the roundtable, that's exactly how we talk, Adam. We're just saying, well, here's a here's a person who's sure. got you know ninety five thousand and all these things, and then we go from each other to what would you do if we were in their shoes? 
Nicole? Yeah, there's there's a lot there. I, I, the way that the way that we look at uh, investment advice is we think of it as writing a prescription. So I say this this all the time, which is we write prescriptive investment strategies, prescriptive to what is it that you need from this money, whether it's the totality of your household of wealth or one specific bucket. Um, you know, there's a couple, it seemed like there was a ton of facts there, but there's still some that are missing. Um, because when I think about 62 years old, I still think about earned income. I think about future Medicare planning. I think, I think about what year Social Security is going to get turned on. Um, and then I think about what's flowing through onto the tax return to help us back into what is the lowest possible rate of distribution. Um, and by total rate of distribution, I mean you need so many net dollars per month after taxes that you still have to pay your tax bill. And so, you know, for me, with with all of those fact patterns, um, you know, the ex- the total expenses, the lifestyle information, um, legacy planning, you know, who are your beneficiaries, all of that is still missing. Um, so I'm not I'm not at liberty to really say exactly what what it is that I would do, but I would certainly consult somebody um, because this market is tricky. It's tricky to know is it is it at an all-time high and it's never going to go any higher or um, is there still opportunity for the future or maybe you actually this is this 95,000 that you inherited from an estate which is so valuable because it's after-tax money maybe that's really the only after-tax liquid savings you have um, and then it's really precious dollars so you have to do something a bit more conservative so those are all the things that came to the top of my mind how about you Peg? Well, Nicole, you know, what's interesting about what you just did is you kind of did walk through our roundtable exercise. And then once we get the answers to the questions that you just brought to the whole listening audience, if that person can answer them, believe it or not, this prescriptive thing that we do where we, we then choose the investments, believe it or not, the investments are easy then once you have mm-hmm. all those other questions answered and when it's when it's much more difficult is just asking this question without those answers. And Wealth Enhancer Group wouldn't be able to answer that question without walking through these um, questions with you first. So thanks for going through that detail. Adam? Yeah, you know, you mentioned, too, about uh, equating it to a prescription from a doctor. That's, and you know, when you go doctor, sometimes you get second opinions. But that mm-hmm. brings up a good point about, you know, you always want to get, you know, other eyes uh, on what you have, right? And variation is, is a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, one of one of the things that always sticks with me about uh, financial planning, about uh, prescriptive investment strategies is there is a science to it, but then there is the art of it. And it's the art of it. That is the reason why people don't only invest in robo-advisors. That's the reason that people don't just log in online and invest their entire net worth in an algorithm that a computer is telling them, you know, will work out in the end. It's that artistry of understanding the interconnectedness between your legacy or estate plan, your intra-year tax strategy, meaning what's flowing through onto your 1040, and what action do you have to take before 1231 of every year, before the next calendar year you file that return, 
And then lastly, your WDIW, what do I want in terms of the, the underlying investments or the asset base of your household? And, and the unification of those three and the the artistry of paying attention to how how they speak to each other on an ongoing basis, regardless of what phase of life you're in, that is what a roundtable of experts, that's what the, the artistry of being an advisor does for you. Um, and, and that's that. So that's where I think it is a lot like a doctor or getting that round table or second opinion from from specialists. It's it's getting feedback that you otherwise might not know just from Googling what it is that's going on in your life. Well, we talk, Nicole, about health and wealth, and we've really recognized uh, where to put our priorities, especially when COVID hit. So today, just quickly, we're going over uh, senseless mistakes that we've seen that clients or prospective clients have done. And Nicole is helping with walking through confusing luck with skill and trying to time the market. And, and if you don't have financial goals or you don't have a financial plan, on the backside, we're going to talk about um, maybe you're taking too much risk. Maybe you're taking too little risk. Uh, are you investing enough that it compounds uh, throughout time to get to your goals or is your, are you on track with your financial plan? So, Adam, uh, we're looking forward to the back half and our 16 years in the business, uh, instrumental on our roundtable. If you listen to the first half of the show, you know why. Uh, Nicole went out to Manhattan to the big city to help build out our East Coast division, and now it's it's going gangbusters, and now she came back to Minnesota. Welcome back to Minnesota, Nicole. Well, thank you. It's quite it's quite chilly here this morning, but I guess I like it because <laughs> I have my patio door open next to my office, so I'm I'm enjoying it with my coffee as we do this this morning. Good. Uh, I'd love to get listeners involved, Adam, if uh, if you've got some there. Absolutely. Again, that number six five one. Four six one nine two two six. Either call or text, and we do have a call. Steve has called in this morning from Mankato. Steve, uh, what's your question? Well, I, I feel really good to be talking to the round table. Okay, now I'm retired. I amongst my holdings, I've got a portfolio of about thirty stocks, all the way from blue chips to utilities to some tech stocks, and I watch these stocks and. At one end, I'm not. I'm not at the end of the continuum of being a day trader, but I'm way maybe at the other end of being a procrastinator type thing. <laughs> now, I have a PhD um, in accounting, which qualifies me to be even more confused with this whole thing. <laughs> now, if wealth enhancement, if I was a, a client of wealth enhancement, uh, when you look, do you look at this? Because I watch these a, a lot of my stocks or a number of my stocks are at their all-time high. So would you be watching these stocks and taking off some of the profits uh, to put in reserve uh, and not not miss the, the highs on some of the uh, the better stocks? And I, I listen to you guys regularly, and I think you're great. Thank you, Steve. Thank you for that. Uh, Nicole, we'll let you go first here. Yeah, Steve, thank you for calling. It's so much more fun when we get to hear other people's voices. Um, what I will say is, you know, I actually uh, just spoke to a prospective client um, down in Iowa this past week, and I would say that he was very similar um, with one little difference in that 
He did not have a Ph.D. in accounting, but instead had spent his entire career uh, working on Wall Street uh, with securities license. And he, you know, the purchase date of almost most of his stocks was actually 2011. So some great timing. But then he's done nothing since over the last 10 years. So, you know, the the to answer the, the bulk of your question, Steve, we we would certainly not. And I, I can't speak for all of my colleagues, but given the data set and the fact that you seem, um, you know, to pay attention uh, and certainly have, you know, the uh, the acumen of, you know, paying attention to how those dividends are flowing through onto your tax return. I wasn't quite sure if this was in an IRA or an after-tax taxable account, um, but I'm guessing there's a lot of qualified dividends that are flowing through. So, you know, the very first things we would look at are, are these for pure accumulation over time? Is it part of your income stream? How are they currently being taxed or is there no tax liability associated with them? Um, given the basis of your question and you saying, knowing as much as you do about accounting, it, it makes you even more confused. I'm assuming that there is this underlying tax liability issue for you there. So um, generally speaking, it, again, it would come down to the unification of those three pillars to identify, do you have to sell these stocks? Are there some of them that perhaps make more sense to sell? So areas of, of business where we don't think, as we look forward, they are going to do as well weathering the storm on the far side of COVID. So if you pay attention to the market over the last couple of months, it's almost like we got a second reopening because of the Delta variant. And so we've seen this the return to cyclicals and value. And, and I won't go into too much about, about the market, but what I will say to Steve's question is, most of the people who come to Wealth Enhancement Group have accumulated wealth before they got to us. And generally speaking, they get to that crux of complexity where they have to make decisions that they know they don't have the confidence in themselves alone to make. And they also are aware of the fact that doing nothing is in fact a decision. And that might not be the most educated or best decision. And so they want to delegate the responsibility of advice to someone else and preferably a couple of experts that work together. And so, Steve, no, we would we never just say sell everything. Let's deal with the taxes. And here's this you know, product for you to, to purchase and reinvest into. It really is not the way that we work. Instead, it would be all about, again, the unification of, a multi-year, intra-year tax strategy with an overlay to what is it that your underlying asset base needs to do for you. Again, that goes to the prescriptive investing. And then lastly, what does your legacy look like? Because we still have this great benefit for us from an estate planning standpoint of low basis securities, again, as it sits today, still receive a step up in basis upon your passing, uh, as long as those assets are included in, in your estate. Um, and so, you know, from that regard, it would really be about pulling those three things together. Peg, do you feel like I missed anything there? No, I think that was perfect. And I, I really like what you said about the dividends, because I think one of the first steps is if you believe that the market is high, I mean, and you are paying tax on those dividends, then maybe you don't reinvest them. I mean, that's a possibility, that's right? You could, 
you right. could actually put that to cash and then maybe if there is some kind of a downturn or whatever, then you reinvest. So I, I like everything you said. Adam? Yeah, there was a great question from Steve, and we hope uh, other folks out there uh, can call in or text in. Again, that number, 651-461-9226, 651-461-9226, either call or if you're a little bashful, you can just text in on that same number. We'll take your question. You raise a good point, though, because, you know, it, it can be intimidating uh, showing up, sitting across the table from a financial advisor. You know, you're laying out your financial life story in front of people. Mm-hmm. And I think overcoming that initial intimidation factor is a big deal. I guess, what what do you say to someone who's out there thinking, you know, now's the right time that I need to go and talk to somebody. I, I've accumulated some yeah. wealth here. What what's the little push you can give them to uh, get them over the edge to sit down and you know open up their books and you know, let you figure out a good path for that person? Yeah, yeah. Well, and before I hand, oh sorry, <laughs> so before I hand it over to Nicole, I just want to say that um, what we've built, the company that we've built, one of our tagline was taglines were uh, be, between us way early on was we wanted to be approachable. You know, we we wanted to be humans that people just felt so comfortable just coming and chatting with us. And I think we've done a good job at that. But, Nicole? Yeah, I I was going to say to that comment, um, you know, without being too personal about myself, there are are two facts that most people uh, who know me at all know, and it's, it's that I don't like the word no. Um, so the thought of someone telling me how to control my budget uh, makes me not want to work with a financial advisor. And certainly the fear of that person taking my partner's side in life about money also doesn't doesn't make me want to work with an advisor. And then the other part of me, um, in full transparency, is that I'm very shy. And so the thought of having these conversations um, that are so personal with someone does seem uh, you know, a bit vulnerable. And But what I would tell you is that working with a trusted advisor, even for someone like myself who works in this industry, but who can be that independent third party um, and help advise a household on how to work together in a, and meet, you know, specific goals, um, I like the fact that we have we have a person who we can talk to that is independent of us so that one of us doesn't own a hundred percent of the householded financial responsibility. And I think that in and of itself um, is an, is incredibly helpful. Um, and then from the aspect of, you know, kind of putting it all out there, um, you know, I would say that certainly all of our colleagues at Wealth Enhancement Group are also duly trained, not just in, um, financial planning or asset management, but also in behavioral um, science. And so that behavioral piece, meaning having good bedside manner, knowing how uncomfortable uh, it is for a lot of people, that we're very much in tune to that. Um, and so I would say it, it, it is so rewarding to have that third, that independent third party um, and uh, certainly something worth overcoming. 
And I think, too, um, Adam, what we find is that usually there's one more competent than the other in the family unit, and they may be doing everything when it comes to money. But what they also realize as they age, because the, the average age that comes in to see us is, you know, 55 to 65, somewhere in there, because they have some life-changing events. You know, retirement is a life-changing event. I mean, I get goosebumps when I think about walking out the door for something that you've done for decades of time and then trying to create a paycheck for the rest of your life. So back to the thing that I mentioned about one having confidence, you start to kind of feel like you may not live forever. And if you're the confident one with money, well, how does that leave your family if something were to happen to you. So a lot of times people will come and interview us. Maybe they feel confident this one person about doing it themselves, but they're so worried about that family unit if something happened to them. So they want to get trusted advisors and people for the second person in the family, the significant other and the children to get to know people before that would happen. And so I like what Nicole said. There's so much more to it. And I agree with Nicole as well, you know, how difficult would that be to say, um, and actually uh, Bruce Helmer said when I first started with him two, two or more decades ago, he said, Peg, it's like putting your underwear on the table. I mean, you're just exposing everything. And so we know how that feels, but I, I see the backside of it, of how great it is once you're willing to do that and get help. 651-461-9226 is the number to call uh, on your money with Wealth Enhancement. You mentioned retirement and how people, you know, once they get into their mid-50s, certainly are, are, are thinking about it and planning for it. But for someone like myself, 46, I'm not going to retire anytime soon, but I'm sure thinking about it, making sure what can I do now to make sure in 10 years, 20 years from now, I will be uh, set to retire. For someone like me who's thinking about it right now, what kind of advice do you have for someone in my age group thinking, you know, now's the time to really start making those early moves to make sure I am comfortable when I decide to retire? Yeah, I think one of one of the things I'll mention, uh, Nicole, before I hand it over to you is uh, I, I always I coach starting really young. Now, I'd, I'd love to tell you, Adam, that I feel like you're super young, but, but you're not, right? You're in, Shoot. You're, <laughs> you, you've, you've got a couple decades of saving behind you already. And if there's anything I can do, and I do it often, is encourage our youth to just start investing with a cert, any amount of money, because our rich, our, our rich people in this world are our young people. And they don't know it yet, but they can be millionaires by choice if they start early. And I kind of blame just society as a whole that we haven't done a really good job about teaching our youth about the compounding of money. And so I could go on a, I could go on an hour rant about that. But, um, with Adam, you know, you also have decades of time and you even have more time than we used to have when I started in the business because we're all living longer. So, Nicole, how would you address Adam's situation? Yeah, 
I mean, I think both Peg and Adam, um, you know, my perspective is a little bit different having just arrived back in the Midwest all of about, oh, you know, October 1st. Um, it, on the East Coast, specifically in Manhattan, where I've spent the better part of the last five years, our average prospective client who comes in to interview us at Wealth Enhancement Group um, is under the age of 50, certainly. Um, I think you know, right now, young people do make very high incomes at a much earlier age. And so, and also what we're seeing, and this has been a big trend, um, you know, more, more of the market is actually driven today by retail investors than ever before. And I bring up those two key points because, you know, Peg mentioned earlier that most people come in to us between ages 55 and 65. And I think that's a bit regional. Um, you know, so if you do have influence over younger people um, in your lives, uh, you know, when you should start harnessing the power of really solidified, unified planning is when you are trying to maximize those deductions for having children, how you think about saving for college, because the inflation rate on college tuition exceeds everything else even the inflation rate that we're seeing today on housing. I mean, and it is consistent. Uh, in addition to that, you know, young people and, and big corporations and being here in, in the Twin Cities today, we have more Fortune 500 companies um, than most other places in, in the U.S. And so harnessing the power and the taxation of your options and your restricted stock units and and taking control over what's flowing through onto your end tax return every year. So, Adam, for someone like you, you know, the first conversation and what I think one can meaningfully address early in earlier stages is how do I diversify across being both a passive low-cost investor to being someone with a tactical mindset on active management? So how do I think about overweighting and underweighting? How do I get mindful about being risk on or risk off? How do I back into that? And then lastly, um, you know, how do I think about being more of a steward of what I'm doing every year in terms of applying specific, you know, mindfulness to the accumulation of my wealth so that I have the nimbleness or the control around the disbursement of my wealth back to me, um, whether it's in the short term for things like, you know, cars, houses, home upgrades, or in retirement so that I can control my tax bracket with more efficiency. Um, and so I would say, you know, when you start reaching the crux of complexity, which for most people starts to happen in their late 30s, early 40s, that's actually the time, you know, that one should really look towards a financial advisor um, more so than ever. Perfect text. Adam? Yeah, perfect text to follow that up. We just got a text. What extent of financial advisory service does a 40-year-old need who just inherited several hundred thousand dollars? That's a great question. When somebody suddenly has a big chunk of money, what should they do in that age? Yeah, what's kind of interesting, too, is when I mentioned the 55 to 65, that might be uh, showing my age a little bit in that. Uh, that particular generation, the baby boomers, and this would be like the late side of baby boomers, they had their children young. And so what they've been doing is, you know, using all their resources to spend on those children. And then at 55 years old, they look at each other and go, hey, we better save some money for ourselves. And I would argue that 
Yeah, those people are actually kind of late. So I love what Nicole said about these younger people. And now they're actually challenged with having children still in their Mm -hmm. 40s and and covering the expenses. Uh, Nicole? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So going back to um, the the text message that just came in, Again, all I can say is when you are in your 40s, and so if you inherit wealth right now, um, again, this is where I always have so many more questions when someone asks a question. Um, you know, I'd be interested in if they receive that inheritance in cash and are now looking to, you know, to, to invest it, if they received it in in stock positions um, or investment positions, um, and then what makes sense to weed out of or liquidate, what makes sense to keep. But then also I think this goes back to what is the current debt structure of that household? What's the asset base of that household? You know, are they sitting with an you know, 80% loan to value on their primary residence? Is that a residence they're going to stay in? How about car loans? Car loans are expensive right now versus what the interest rate environment is because Car loans, we don't, these dealerships don't need a lot of incentives to sell their cars out there right now because there's so much demand for new cars because our, our, our wealth is so high, thank you to the, the market and, and the low unemployment. Um, so we don't see those same incentives. So a lot of people might be sitting with high um, car loan percentages. So a lot goes into that question, but what I would say is, being 40 generally means you're starting to reach the crux of complexity, and it generally means that you start to feel like maybe I don't have a lot of control over what's flowing through onto my tax return. Me and my spouse both are W-2 employees. We're saving through our work plans. What else could we really do? And I would say never stop exploring, never stop asking questions or seeking professional advice. Um, and again, to, to this specific texter, I would say you need to work with someone who will prescribe to you what is necessary or what makes the best sense for for your specific situation versus just selling you an investment strategy. Um, again, you know, I would say always encourage to understand the why. Why that prescription for me? Um, and so that, that's what I would say. Good. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you for being a guest today. Uh, really enjoyed it. A lot of insight. Um, thank you, Adam, for helping us. Have a good day. Absolutely. Thank you, Peg. Again, anytime, call uh, Wealth Enhancement 24-7, 888-6-ADVICE, 888-6-ADVICE, or email your money at wealthenhancement.com. previous program was sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Wealth Enhancement Group or its guests and do not reflect the opinions of News Talk 830 and Odyssey Inc.